just thank you so much for this great day, this time that we can be together in your presence and come before you to grow and to learn. Father, right now we just open our hearts wide to you. Father, we want to hear what you're saying to us individually. Father, we want to receive from you. God, I pray that your word will go deep into each and every woman's hearts here in this place today and father that we will not just be hearers of your word but we will be doers of your word as well in jesus name and everyone said amen amen all right did you know that you have been created to love you're created to love and we talked a couple weeks ago about god's amazing love for us and we talked about the verse in Matthew 22:37 and thir- through 39 where it says love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That's not our starting point. Absolutely we need to do those things. But if we start there, we end up getting caught in that cycle of works and striving. But if we step back from there and we recognize that we love because God first loved us, then his love is what compels us. His love for us compels us to love him with all that's within us. His love for us compels us to love others. That's why it's so important that we never grow dull, never grow cold or just stagnant in the revelation of his love for us. It needs to be fresh and alive in our hearts every day so that his love can pour through us onto others. And so last week we started talking about what that means to love our neighbors and who our neighbors are. And our neighbor includes basically anyone that we come in contact with, including our families, including our husbands. We need to be letting God's love for us, in us, flood out of us onto our husbands. So last week we looked at part one of what's a wife to do, and we saw what the Word says about how we as wives should love our husbands. But maybe you're here this morning, and you're not married, and you're thinking, oh, this is for wives. I'm not married. No, this is for all of us, because whether we're married or not, some of us may become married someday, and this is important info that we got to know. And even if we have no plans of getting married in the future, we all have friends who are married. And you know what? We need to be good girlfriends, friends who know what this word says, friends who will give godly wisdom to our friends when they're going through something. We need to be careful not to be that friend that just jumps on their soapbox and says, Oh, well, I can't believe. You, you shouldn't put up with that. Da, 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 da. No, we need to be that girlfriend that says, okay, let's go to the Word and see what the Word says. So we need to know what it says in order to help our girlfriends and to speak wisdom into their lives. So this is for all of us. And last week, we started walking through 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3 in the Amplified is so awesome. If you don't have an Amplified Bible, I just encourage you to either get one or, or even... Just pertaining to 1 Peter 3, get online, go to Bible Gateway or wherever you go, print out 1 Peter 3 in the Amplified, pin it up where you can see it because it has such richness in speaking to us as wives. 
And so last week we started in verse 1. And verses 1 and 2 in 1 Peter 3 talk about the power of our godly conduct. It says that our godly conduct is so incredibly powerful that it can even draw husbands who are unbelievers, who are not following God, to God. There is miracle working power in the way we conduct ourselves as wives. And godly conduct entails so much. And we walked through that last week. So if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to listen to that message online or get a CD because we're not going to take the time to go through all of those things today. Today, But godly conduct has the power to work miracles in our marriages. We can't afford to sit back and say, well, I'll change my behavior when he changes. This is just the way I am. I just, I don't feel like changing. We can't afford to have those types of attitudes. If we want to see change in our relationships, then we need to be willing to be the change, to start the process of the change in our marriage. And then we looked at verses 3 through 6 and saw how vitally important our relationships with God are to our marriage relationship. Our relationship with God has such a huge bearing, huge impact on our relationships with our husband. We've got to recognize that and be so keenly aware of how vital it is that we're taking everything to God first. Our frustrations, our anxieties, our fears, all of it, we need to be taking it to God because if we're not taking it to God, then we're going to be dumping it out on our husbands. And when he walks through the door, we're going to go off and we're going to be a loose cannon and we're going to be full of frustration and anxiety and what have you. And last week we saw that Proverbs 21.9 says that our husbands would rather be up on the roof in the middle of the worst storm than in the house with us and all of our ranting and raving. So we've got to get really good at going to God first. Our relationship with him has huge impact on our relationships with our husbands. So we talked in detail about all of that last week. And then today, we're going to start back up there in 1 Peter 3. We finished off in verse 6 last week. Now, verse 7 talks to our husbands. Verses 1 through 6 talks to the wives. Verse 7 talks to the husbands. But you know what? We're not even going to look at verse 7 today because that's their part. And we're focusing on what we as wives can do to love our husbands, to be the wives that God's called and created us to be. So we're just going to leave his part with him. You okay with that? Yeah, a couple of you are. And (laughs) that's the truth because the rest of you want to tell him what his part is. I just know it. But we're focusing on ourselves today and being the wives God asked us to be. So skip over verse 7 and jump down to verse 8. And verses 8 through 11 are talking to all of us. And literally, they're talking to everyone, whether you're married or not married. But if we're married, then first and foremost, these things that it talks about in these coming verses are definitely things that we need to first be applying to that marriage relationship. 
So if you've got your Bibles there, let's start in verse 8. It says, finally, all of you should be of one and the same mind, united in spirit, sympathizing with one another, loving each other as brethren of one household, compassionate and courteous, tender-hearted and humble. Wow. Think about those words. Those are weighty words. Is that how we treat our husbands? You know, throughout the Bible, especially throughout the Gospels, we see times where Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus was compassionate. But compassion moves us and causes us to take action on another's behalf. Are we compassionate towards our husbands? Or are we saying, yeah, get over it. I've got to take care of this stuff. I've got to deal with this and that. And, Or are we being moved with compassion towards what they're going through? Are we really listening to what they're going through? Behaving with compassion towards them. It also says that we should be courteous. Courteous, we know it means to be polite and kind. It also means gracious consideration towards others. Are we considering our husbands in in the course of our daily life? Are we just running full speed ahead with all of our stuff? Or are we stopping to consider what they might be doing, what they might need? We need to be courteous, kind, polite, gracious to our husbands. And then it talked about being tender-hearted and humble. You know, it is very easy to become hard-hearted and demanding our own way in our marriage relationships. It's easy to become stubborn. I know that we do not have any stubborn women in this room this morning, do we? Of course not. (laughs) Sometimes it can be easy to become stubborn. And when we're stubborn, we lose that tenderheartedness. We need to be careful to continually be tenderhearted and humble towards our husbands. You know what? If we just take that first step to humble ourselves, to open our heart to him, it is amazing the power in that humility. It causes walls to drop. It causes barriers to break down. It causes hearts to soften. It allows us to be able to communicate heart to heart rather than head to head, where sometimes we butt heads. It breaks down the walls. We need to be women who are tender-hearted and humble towards our husbands. And then it continues in verse 9 and says, Never, everybody say never, never return evil for evil or insult for insult, scolding, tongue-lashing, berating. Wow. How easy can that be? It amazes me how frequently I hear couples speaking to each other in a manner that they would never even speak to strangers. And you know what? When we do that, one says something, the other lashes back, the other lashes back. We set this vicious cycle in place that is so destructive to our marriage. We've got to be careful and remember 
to never return evil for evil. Never return insult for insult. And it continues on there and it says, but on the contrary, blessing. Praying for their welfare, happiness, and protection. Do you pray for your husband's welfare, for his happiness, for his protection? Truly pitying and loving them. And listen to this next statement. It says, for know that to this you have been called. We have all been called to this type of behavior. We can sit back and think, oh, people talk about calling. I don't know what I'm called to do. Here you go. Right here. We are all called to treat each other with a blessing, with love, letting the love of God that's been poured out to us flood through us on to them. And it continues, so that you yourselves may inherit a blessing from God, that you may obtain a blessing as heirs, bringing welfare and happiness and protection. Not only does our behavior like this, the pouring out blessings, pouring out love, not only does it do a work in our husband's life, but it brings blessing upon ourselves as well. And I know we all want that, but we've got to recognize how we get that. It comes from letting the love of God flood through us. And then, look down in verse 10. It says, For let him who wants to enjoy life and see good days, good whether apparent or not, keep his tongue free from evil and his lips from guile, treachery, and deceit. I love that. We can see good... We can... Enjoy life and see good days, whether they're apparent or not. Sometimes the good days not, aren't apparent to others. They may look on and say, wow, you had a lot of things go wrong today. You got some chaos happening there. You got some challenges happening there. It might be, not be evident on the outside. But when we are women who live in that revelation of God's love for us, nurturing our relationship with Him, going to Him, taking everything to Him, receiving His peace, His love, and then letting that pour out through our words, through our conduct, our attitudes to others around us, especially to our husband. You know what? We will have such incredible joy and peace that we can experience great days even when it looks like there's chaos around us. We've got to be women that recognize the importance in that. And then in that verse it says to keep our tongues from evil and our lips from guile. Proverbs 18.21, it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Our words carry such power. We have to recognize the incredible power of every word that comes out of our mouth. There is power in our tongue. And who has control over your tongue? We do. It's up to us. We are the only ones who can control our tongue. And yes, we need God's help to do that. And he is ready and anxious to help us. But we've got to let him help us. We've got to ask him and allow him to help us with our words. Our words are so vitally important. And then in Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19, 
It says, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Now, we think about this verse in terms of choosing eternal life, choosing salvation, right? But don't we have to walk out our salvation every single day? And so we need to think about that. What are we choosing? Are we choosing to speak life into our marriage? Are we choosing to speak life into our husband? Or are we choosing death, words that can be destructive, words that can tear down? And he tells us, choose life. Ladies, we've got to choose life. And it talks about how... Uh, Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. It's not just about us. It's affecting others. Others are listening. We've got to recognize the words coming out of our mouth. Are they bringing life or are they bringing death? And then in 1 Peter 3, continuing on in verse 11, it says, Let him, but remember, this is talking to all of us, so let us, let me, Turn away from wickedness and shun it and do right. Let him search for peace, harmony, undisturbedness from fears, agitating passions and moral conflicts. Seek it eagerly. Do not merely desire peaceful relationships with God, with your fellow man and with yourself, but pursue them. Go after them. We can't just sit back and say, oh, well, sure would be nice if, Our marriage was better. Sure would be nice if there was peace in our home. No, we've got to pursue that. We've got to go after that. We've got to recognize the power in doing our part. If we just step out and do our part, everything can turn around. We can't sit back and say, well, I'll do my part when he does his part. What about his part? What about him? Why isn't he having to do this? Why do I have to be the one? How many of you have kids that maybe had a little sibling rivalry or uh, ever liked to get into each other's business? How come he doesn't have to do that? How come I get stuck with that job? How come he didn't get punished for that? I got punished. How come? How come? How come? How come? And does it ever drive you crazy? (laughs) Hmm. Do we ever do that to God? I wonder. (laughs) But you know what? If we are doing that, if we are taking on that attitude, you know what really we're doing? We're putting the brakes on our relationship. We're causing our marriage to come to a screeching halt right where it's at. Ladies, we've got to recognize our attitude, our expectations. Are we sitting back expecting him to change expecting him to do things differently there is great power in our expectations our expectations hugely impact our relationships and unrealistic expectations can be the greatest enemy of our relationships so i want us to take a few minutes and talk about expectations Do you realize that when you get let down, when you get disappointed, the bottom line usually is we didn't get our way. 
our expectation was not met. And we can sit back and say, well, but the Bible says he's supposed to. Stop. Don't worry about his part. What do you tell your kids? Stop. Don't worry about your brother. Don't worry about your sister. You take care of you. That's what we've got to do as well. We can't get focused on his part. We need to focus on our part and work on being that wife that God has called us to be. You know what? It doesn't really do any good for us to focus on his part anyways because our interpretation of his part and his interpretation of his part are going to be two very different things. Have you ever noticed that? And one of the biggest areas that this is seen is with the role of spiritual leader, spiritual head of the home. And the Bible says that's his role. But it doesn't say that he should walk it out by doing A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But we have A, B, C, D, E, F, G in our minds, usually. (laughs) We enter marriage with our interpretation of what spiritual leader means. And generally, he, he enters marriage with his interpretation of what spiritual leader means. And they're two very different things. And most often... We never discuss them. We go in with these assumptions, these expectations. And our expectation as women usually is something, it'll be different for everyone, but it's usually something like this. He's going to go buy a couple's devotional for us to go through. He's going to read marriage books. We're going to read marriage books together. He's going to initiate prayer all the time. It's going to be so wonderful. And he's going to do his relationship with God the way I do. He's going to curl up on the couch with his blanket and his Bible. And then we're going to talk about what we've read and talk about spiritual things. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Most likely not. (laughs) Let me ask you, does he do relationships with his guy friends the way you do relationships with your girlfriends? No. (laughs) Does he get on the phone with his guy friend and say, what are you going to (laughs) wear? Talk about the latest fashions. Latest haircut. <laughs> Does he think it'd be fun to go out with the guys to a good romantic comedy or an inspiring, heartwarming movie where you can sit and have a good cry? <laughs> no, most likely not. Maybe you have a, a husband who likes that. My husband wants to see something blow up at the movies. <laughs> yes. They're wired differently. They do not do their relationships with their guy friends the way we do relationships with our girlfriends. So why would we think that they're going to do their relationship with God the way that we do our relationship with God? We are all wired differently. And, ladies, that does not mean that he's wired wrong. (laughs) Just in case you didn't realize that, God wired both of us. He just wired us differently. God wired him 
And God wired us. We're just wired differently. And someday we'll be able to stand before God and ask him why in the world. (laughs) But until then, (laughs) we need to understand that or we will drive ourselves and our husbands absolutely crazy. We need to give him space to do his relationship with God in the way that he wants to do his relationship with God. We do not need to tell him how to do it. We do not need to tell him when to have his quiet time. Let him figure it out. Leave that with him. We cannot afford to have unrealistic expectations. They will sabotage our relationships. And communication is key. Like I said, most couples enter marriage without ever even having a discussion of what does spiritual leader mean to you? What does it mean to you? You know, having this conversation, we just go in with assumptions, with expectations, and then we end up getting disappointed, we get frustrated, and we make them feel like a failure. And then they don't even want to try to be a spiritual leader in the home. So we've got to understand expectations that we have. Wives can also have unrealistic unfair expectations of our husbands based on the examples that we've had in the past. Maybe the example of our father. Maybe the example of a prior relationship. And, you know, we can have good expectations and we can have bad expectations. Maybe you saw your dad walk out on your mom. Maybe you've had someone walk out on you. We can live with the expectation that our husband's going to walk out on us, afraid to open our heart to them, afraid of being hurt or rejected. We need to recognize how that expectation is impacting our marriage. Maybe you're expecting your husband to do all the things that someone else did for you once upon a time. Or maybe you're expecting him to do all the things your dad did for your mom. Maybe in your home when you were growing up, your father did all the cooking. Maybe he took care of all the finances and paid all the bills. And you went into marriage with that assumption that that's how it is. That's what the husband does because that's what you've seen all your life. No two people are the same. And we cannot expect our husbands to be who our examples have been. We've got to recognize they are not that person. Everyone is going to be different. Every marriage is going to be different. We cannot have unrealistic and unfair expectations. They will destroy a marriage. So what does that mean? What do we do then? Does it mean that we don't have any expectations at all? No, of course not. Does it mean that we become a doormat? Does it mean that it's okay to be treated badly or abusively or without fidelity? No, it definitely doesn't. Does it mean that we never speak up? Of course not. It means that we need to make sure that we have healthy expectations. Expectations are not a bad thing. All through the Bible, we're encouraged to have expectations. 
Expectations are not a bad thing, but we need to recognize what our expectations are and make sure they are healthy. We need to have healthy expectations in our marriage. And so I just want to take the remaining few minutes and talk quickly about six keys to healthy expectations. First one is ask God to help you recognize your current expectations. If you want to have healthy expectations, you have to know what your current expectations are. So ask God to help you. Get some time alone with him. Sit down with a journal or notebook and pen and start to write them down. Identify them. How can we make adjustments if we don't even realize what our current expectations are? And so often we don't realize them. We just have these assumptions based on other examples or just things that we we thought and we don't even realize that they have become our expectations. So ask God to help you recognize your current expectations. And then secondly, healthy expectations are not self-serving. If your feelings are always being hurt over something, that's a really good indicator that there's an expectation there that's not being met. So it's time to examine that expectation and see, is that an expectation that is healthy and productive for the relationship that serves the relationship? Or is it an expectation that just serves me? Maybe, maybe you work uh, certain days of the week, you get home later than your husband. And you have this expectation that he should have dinner made on those nights that you work late. He should make dinner. He should have the house clean when you get home. And you put that out there as an expectation, which often comes across as a demand. And you, that is your expectation that, hey, I'm working late. You need to make dinner. What's wrong with you? Why didn't you make dinner? Where's the dinner? You need to be doing that. Or why isn't the house picked up? What's wrong with you? We need to recognize in the grand picture of things, First of all, is it that important? (laughs) And, you know, we can come to an agreement here. And we need to communicate about these things and realize, okay, I'm expecting these things because that's what I want. But where does it say he has to do that? So we need to come together and talk about these things and say, okay, What do you think? How should we navigate dinner on these nights? And come to an agreement. Talk about Sometimes we just want our way. We think we should have our way. But you know what? We need to recognize, is it about us? Is it serving us? Is it just what I want? Or is it the most healthy, productive thing for the marriage, an agreement that we've come to and kind of worked out together? Healthy expectations are not self-serving. Number three, healthy expectations are rooted in the word. They're from God. You know, in Psalm 62, verse 5, David said, My expectation is from the Lord. We need to have our expectations coming from him, rooted in his word. And we need to be very careful how we handle his word. Does that mean that we say, well... I interpret that verse to mean and kind of turn it and put our spin on it. Or we say, well, one time I heard somebody say that that verse could mean 
in order to manipulate or justify an expectation. But we need to be careful not to take the word out of context, but look at the whole of the word. Look at the heart of the word. For example, we can't just sit back and say, well, my husband, he, he doesn't know God. He doesn't obey the word. He is not living right. So therefore, I mean, he just can't be a spiritual leader. So I, he's just not doing what the word says. So I'm out of here. Well, what about what we already looked at in 1 Peter 3, 1 that says that our godly conduct has the power to draw him to God. Our godly conduct has the power to draw a husband who does not obey the word to God. That is what it says. So we need to be women that know what the whole of the word says, the heart of the word, and be applying it to our lives and letting our expectations stem out of the word. Our major, core, foundational expectations for both of us need to stem out of the word. Yeah, it should be an expectation that we have fidelity in our marriage. We should have an expectation that we don't have destructive abusive behavior in our marriage. As wise stewards, we should have an expectation that we'll make investments into our marriage. That doesn't mean we tell our husband how he should be investing in our marriage. It doesn't mean we hand him the marriage books and say, read this, read this, read this, you need to invest in our marriage. We need to do our part to make investments in our marriage. We need to understand the core foundational expectations need to stem out of the word. And then the other things will stem out of that and will take care of themselves. Who's going to pay the bills? Who's going to do the laundry? Who's going to cook dinner? Who's going to do the dishes? We need to be careful not to get so hung up on those things and make mountains out of the molehills. We need to recognize the core foundational expectations that we should have in marriage. Get them straight from the Word of God and then let other things flood out of that. We're not going to find a scripture in verse 4, who's going to pay the bills? Who's going to do the dishes? But you know what? Those are things that we need to just talk through and come to an agreement together. Ladies, sometimes we as women can get so stuck on little things around the house. And we can blow up and just become a time bomb over somebody not picking up their socks or not picking up their shoes or leaving a dish in the sink. Really? In the grand scheme of things, how important is that? What does it matter? Yes, we want to have our clean homes. I understand I'm at the top of the list. But when something's out of place, That should not rob our peace. That should not cause us to explode. What's the big deal? We need to have our core expectations rooted in the word, and then we need to be able to lighten up a little bit. Tell your neighbor next to you, just lighten up a little bit. (laughs) Sometimes... We do. We need to be able to lighten up 
a little bit and not make mountains out of the molehills. Recognizing if we're focusing on these little things and making such big deals and demanding our way over these little things, we're not building our marriage. We're tearing down. We need to recognize what we're doing and the words that are coming out of our mouths. Expectations, number four, should start with us. Before putting expectations on others, we need to ask ourselves, what are my expectations of myself as a wife and in other areas, as a mother, as a daughter, as a friend? Start by putting expectations on ourselves. And then, number five, expectations should be communicated in love. In Ephesians 4.15, it tells us to speak the truth in love. You might sit down with your husband. Be careful of the words, honey, we need to talk. That always raises a red flag. (laughs) Yeah, so be careful about that. But find an opportunity to sit down and talk. And you know what? You can just open your heart and say, honey... This is what I've been thinking. I realized recently that, that I've kind of had this expectation, and I, this is what's been in my mind, and I don't want to have an unrealistic expectation. I don't want to have an unfair expectation. So I just want to throw it out there and talk about it and have you tell me what you think. Is that, is that unreasonable? What do you think? Talk to me. Tell me your side, what you think about that. Or... I think it would be awesome just to come to them and say, you know what, we've, we've not really talked about expectations a lot, and I've been thinking about it lately, and I realize I don't want to be putting expectations on you or anybody else without first putting expectations on myself. And so I just want you to know that I've been thinking about that and defining my expectations for myself, and I want you to know that, yes, I'm going to throw my ideas and suggestions out there, but ultimately, if we come to a decision we can't agree on, I'm going to yield to you. I'm going to submit to you. That's an expectation I have of myself, and I want you to know that. To tell them, I'm putting expectations on myself that I'm going to have pure conduct. Go through those things in First Peter 3 that we talked about last week. I'm going to have pure conduct. Be pure in heart. I don't ever want to manipulate you or try to work you or play games with you. I want to have all of my communication be out of a pure heart. And I want to have modest conduct. Honey, I just want you to know that I'm, I'm not interested in anybody else. I don't want to be out flirting or trying to get attention of other men. That's an expectation I put on myself because you're the only one I want. Start communicating those expectations. Say, honey, you know what? I have an expectation for myself that I will respect you. You are my husband, and I want to always treat you with respect and let the words that come out of my mouth be words that are stemmed and rooted in respect. And just... Share your expectations for yourself. You know what? That's going to cause walls to drop. And then you might even say, you know what? I wanted to have expectations of myself without putting expectations on anyone else. And I don't ever want to be unrealistic or unfair. So 
So maybe sometime you'd give a little thought to what your expectations of yourself as a husband are. And, and we could just talk about that. And don't put pressure on him and don't expect him to have your, his answers and sit there right then and, and tell you. But it's okay to throw that out there and let his wheels start turning and just leave it there with him. The expectations should start with us and always be communicated in love. When someone hears a heart of love communicating and knows that you're out for their best interest, they're going to be far more likely to respond. And communication that stems out of love will always tear down walls. And lastly, I think early on in marriage, it's never too late to do this, but especially early on in marriage, I think it's a good thing for couples to have a mutual expectation that you will get help if help is ever needed. Because sometimes we hit bumps in the road. Sometimes we face challenges in marriage that we have trouble navigating and that we're not communicating well about and we kind of keep missing each other and we're having trouble getting over that bump in the road. You know what? Ladies, that's what the church is for. That's what the body of Christ is for. We're a family. We're here for each other, to help each other, to put tools in each other's hands, to help each other grow and navigate those difficult seasons. For Gary and I, it absolutely breaks our hearts when we hear about couples who have left the church because they were having marriage problems and they were embarrassed. They didn't want anyone to know. They thought that meant they were a bad Christian if they were having problems. You know what? The Bible tells us that challenges will come. And that's the time we need to run to God, to run to his family, not away from there's no shame, there's no embarrassment in that whatsoever. We need to have an expectation that there is wisdom in godly counsel, like the word says, and we are going to run to godly counsel when we need it. You know what, ladies? We cannot always determine the outcome of every situation because God has given every person a free will. But doing our part to be the wife that this word instructs us to be has miracle-working power. It has the power to turn marriages around. And we always need to know that we have done everything God's asked us to do as the wife that he's created us to be. Proverbs 14.1 says that the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish one tears it down with her own hands. We need to be building our lives, building our marriages. Because if we're not consciously taking effort to build our marriages, we're automatically tearing them down. Let's pray. Father, God, I'm just so thankful for your word. God, thank you that you don't just toss us out and say, okay, now go figure life out on your own. Go figure marriage out on your own. You give us wisdom in your word. You give us tools to help us navigate every situation. God, we're so thankful. You said you've given us the Holy Spirit as our helper. You don't leave us alone. You want to come alongside us and help us. 
and mold us and shape us more and more into your image. And so, Father, we just cling to you. And, God, we're asking for your help. Father, I just pray for every wife in this room this morning. Father, I pray for your supernatural help. Help her be the wife that you've called her to be. And, Father, where there have been patterns of words spoken that aren't breathing life into that relationship, God, I just pray that by your Spirit, you would so lovingly, so gently as you do, just bring instruction. Come alongside her and show her how to start speaking life into that marriage, life into her husband. And Father, where there have been expectations that aren't healthy, that maybe are unrealistic or unfair, God, I pray that by your Spirit you would just reveal that. To any wife in this room, God, that's in that place, God, just reveal that to her. And Father, I pray that you would come alongside and you would help each and every one of us to have healthy expectations, healthy communications in our marriages, healthy marriages overall. God, I just pray for life and health and blessing over every marriage in this room right now, God, in the name of Jesus. Father, I just pray right now where there's hurting hearts in this room, God, I'm just asking for your healing power to just pour in, bring health, bring wholeness, pour your love in, Father, help us to be women that will go forward, not stay stagnant, not stand still, not go backwards, but receive your healing, receive your love, and then go forward allowing your love to flood through us, Father, and do the miracles that you want to do through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.